for another powerful teaching today as Pastor David talks about transgender identity struggles. And as this becomes more and more a reality for many people all around us, it's truth we need to hear. Here's Pastor David. This is just one example. This is not a special example. Same-sex sexual, uh, se- sexuality is one example of something that is justified and, and maybe even caused by this idea of mind-body dualism. But there is another one that's become more popular and publicized in recent times, and that's gender dysphoria. Some people would say transgenderism. Gender dysphoria was the most common way to refer to it back in the day. Um, and still, it, it still is referred to that way by many people. The word dysphoria, according to the internet, means a sense of restlessness, anxiety, dissonance, or distress, it, it, and is the linguistic opposite of a sense of euphoria. Y'all know what euphoria is? Woo! Happiness. It's the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. That means that people with gender dysphoria are in pain. Restlessness, anxiety, dissonance, or distress. That sounds like pain to me. Now, when we know the definition of dysphoria, it helps frame up the response of the Christ follower. How does a Christ follower react and respond to people who are in pain? With the love of Jesus Christ. Not condemnation, not separation, but relationship and love. That's how we respond. Piercy also writes, Nancy Piercy in her book, writes a guy named named Walt Heyer. Mr. Heyer had gender dysphoria, and he was a cross-dresser for a while, and then he had the gender reassignment sex change surgery. But he eventually became a Christ follower. She writes this about him. When Heyer was still presenting as a woman, he began attending church. Tragically, the first church he visited asked him to leave. The senior pastor actually drove to his home, knocked on the door, and said, we don't want your kind in our church. Somebody came in looking for the love of Jesus, and because their sin was more visible than the person next to them, whose sin may have been the ugliest thing in the world, the pastor literally goes out of his way to reject this person. What would that feel like? I don't don't know, and I don't want to know. But he did. This is the reaction some people have had to those struggling with gender dysphoria. Instead of them showing them love in someone's pain, they just reject the person. They can't deal with it. It's it's so different than what they struggle with, or maybe it's not. Depends on the person. This is a typical example of mind-body dualism. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to show you the gender unicorn, which is being used in schools all over the country to explain to kids the postmodern conception of gender. Do we have that? Is that up on the screen? There's the gender unicorn. This is in your kids' schools, just so you know. As you can see, it talks about gender identity, and you have your choices, female, woman, girl, male, man, boy, or other. And by the way, there's like, I don't know how many now. Facebook started with like 50 that you could choose, and I think it went up to 70-something, and eventually there, got so, there were so many genders that now it's just custom. You just type in what it is. There's literally that many genders. You didn't know that, did you? 
There's that many genders. Then there's gender expression. It can be feminine, it can be masculine, it can be other. And then there's the sex assigned, quote unquote assigned, as if the doctor's like, "Mm, what are we going to assign this one? As if it wasn't medically assigned, right? Sex assigned at birth, male, female, intersex. Physically attracted to men, women, other genders, like of the 50, 70, whatever genders. Emotionally attracted to men, women, other genders. Okay, here's the thing that will show you the mind-body dualism as clear as a bell. If you look, the rainbow is gender identity. It's a thought in the unicorn's head. You can see it, puff, you know, classic puffing out of the head. Kids understand that, right? They know how to read comics. The physically attractive and emotionally attractive are these two colored hearts that are at the heart. Now, normally speaking, when we talk about soul, spirit, mind, we're talking about head and heart. Those are things that are considered to be sort of outside of the body. In this case, of course, the thought is literally outside in a little cloud outside the body. That's how people literally think about these things, right? That is the separation. The only thing that is really body is the fact that they put sex assigned at birth across the unicorn's crotch, right? That's just your plumbing. But your gender and your orientation sexually and so on, those are things that are in your head and heart, soul, Mind, mind-body dualism. There's a separation. It's starting very young with gender unicorns. The idea that your gender is based on your feelings is the new normal. Your gender is based on your feelings. It can change as much as your feelings change and has nothing to do with your body. And if your child is in a junior high, high school, elementary school, or whatever, and they decide to say that they're a different gender, and some probably maybe in this room are there right now. The school's going to accept that. The doctor is going to accept that. The psychologist is going to accept it. No one's going to say anything against it. They're going to encourage that instead of having your body define what your gender is, that you should define it with your mind. Because why? Mind, body, dualism. Your body should have no say over who you really are. Chaz Bono tells us, gender is between your ears and not between your legs. But neither scripture nor science agree with that assessment. Jesus makes this clear in Matthew 19, 4 through 5. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He made them male and female and complementary. That's what that's saying. God made people that way. You don't get to think your way out of what God made. He made them. Just as Walt Heyer, who we just talked about, found out, according to Nancy Piercy, says, Mr. Heyer discovered that changing his clothing, hairstyle, social security card, driver's license, and even his genitals did not change who he was. He came to realize that the restoration of my sanity would only come by reversing the gender change and going back to living as the male God had made me to be. In short, by accepting his biological identity as a good gift from God. I was born a man, and I was still a man. My gender never changed. Higher concludes, in spite of numerous cosmetic surgeries, hormones, makeup, long hair, nail polish, pantyhose, and high heels, the biological fact is that no one can change from one gender to another except in appearance. Our only choice is whether we accept our biological sex as a gift from God or reject it. Science tells us the same thing that Mr. Higher eventually realized. 
Piercy writes about a cardiologist named Paula Johnson who said this, every cell has a sex. And what that means is that men and women are different down to the cellular and molecular level. It means that we're different across all of our organs, from our brains to our hearts to our lungs to our joints. We are male and female all the way through. You can't change that. It's written into your design and God's purpose. It can't be changed. It is a glorious thing to be created a woman. And it is a glorious thing to be created a man. They are gifts from God. Your manhood or womanhood is a gift from God. And to reject that gift is covetousness. It's covetousness. You're saying, God, what you gave me was enough. I want that instead. It's rebellion. Again, so we're clear. This is a temptation that we should be loving people through and speaking the truth in love. Calling people names or demeaning their pain is not the way to love people. It is not what Christ followers are called to do. Think before you say something or post that reactive Facebook repost share about gender bathrooms or whatever it is and make sure that, that what you're sharing and what you're saying is about bringing people to Christ and loving them. But participating in someone else's false view of themselves is not loving either. We should encourage people not to buy into mind-body dualism. That's our job in making disciples. We should encourage and come alongside those who struggle and help them see the beautiful, amazing gift that their God-given gender is. Because it is. Sam Albury, who we talked about earlier, he, he knows a woman who, who has really struggled with anorexia in her life. And he says at different times, this woman has been so thin that it was just dangerous, unhealthy, and whatever. But at the same time that she was so thin, in her mind, she thought of herself as horrifically overweight. And Sam makes this comment. He says, it would not be loving for me to tell her that what she thinks is right. Right? If she says, I'm so overweight and so I'm not going to eat, it's not a loving thing for Sam to say, well, that's your truth. And, I, and I, why, who am I to say anything against it? Because if he does that, what's going to happen? She's going to die. Because he has affirmed her truth. No more is it loving to tell someone who's got gender dysphoric feelings that what's in their mind is what's true and what's in their body that God made is false. Because that's, that's the new cure, right? That's the new way we deal with it. Your gender is in your mind, and therefore, if it's different than what your body is, we'll hack that body up to make it match the mind. Rather than saying, if your gender, if your thoughts in your mind are different than the gender of your body, we'll help you to think better so that your thoughts and feelings match the body that God gave you, which is a glorious gift. That's the job of the church. I know it's not popular. I know you're not going to win any awards at the local public school or public university for talking like this. In fact, you'll probably get things thrown at you. But the fact is, is that we cannot deny that God has created these things and created them as good. He said they were good. 
Male and female, he created them. It was very good. When we say it's not, we reject him. That's the bottom line. As Christ followers, if this is a struggle for you, we'll comfort you and love you in your suffering. We will come alongside you. We will cry with you. We will work with you. We will walk with you, but we will not lie to you. We will not lie to you and encourage you to believe in mind-body dualistic lies so that you can be a little bit more comfortable for the moment and then end up like so many who have sex assignment uh, reassignment surgery who commit suicide at like, I don't even remember how many times the rate of people in the population in general. Those who actually get the surgery, who get what they thought they wanted. And the problem is they find out it wasn't, that wasn't it. That wasn't the problem. And so they give up hope. We're here to bring hope. God loves you. He loves you. I love you. We love you. This is your struggle. We'll walk with you. But those who are going to follow those temptations, who will reject God, they're rejecting rebelling against God's purpose for their lives. It's true. But before you get too uppity about that, all of us can and have rejected God's plan and purpose for our own lives every time we've sinned. They're not worse than you. For those of you who struggle with these temptations, I want to give you some scripture that I'm hoping will... will, uh, Give you some hope. Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. For we were saved in this hope, but what? But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Listen, hope and wait for it with perseverance because although our minds and bodies don't work together, look, there's not one of you in here who is born perfectly. You're broken. Sin broke the world. It's broken. Recognize that. Your bodies are all broken at different levels and about different things. So are your minds. It's all jacked up. Christ is making you new. That whole thing about not being conformed to the world but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you do to do that? You give your body a living sacrifice. God is making you new. And eventually, that groaning you feel inside, whether you struggle with transgender stuff or same-sex attraction or whatever, you have sin in you. And that groaning that you feel inside is this groaning that says, God, make me new. Renew this body. Don't get rid of my body. Renew it. That's our hope. People are like heaven and we'll be floating around and whatever. No, heaven is like this except perfect. What would you know how to do without your body? We're going to be restored. Jesus has said he will make all things new. And that should be your hope. 
And yeah, you can't see it right now. We see through a glass darkly. It's true. But it's coming, and there's hope in Jesus Christ. Sam Williams says that God's plan is more of a rescue mission than a culture war. And I want to be really clear about this. I am not interested in culture wars that are us, them, based. Or we get into little tribes and talk about the, the society's all falling apart and it's all these people's fault. Listen, there is nothing new under the sun. And for those of you who gasped about the unicorn, uh, gender unicorn that your five-year-old's probably being shown, why didn't you gasp about Sam Malone? You know who Sam Malone is? Sam Malone was the, was the guy in Cheers in the 80s who was a serial fornicator and had a very low view of women, and we all laughed. Said, this is a funny show. And I'm not saying it wasn't a funny show. But this that you're seeing today, because that was more normal to you, that was more in line with what society was at the time, but this that you're seeing today is the illogical conclusion or next step in sexual freedom that you weren't willing to call out then, and now you're all upset about. I'm talking to myself too. We have been frogs in boiling water, and the whole way along the way, we make these kind of general, that's bad, this person's bad, whatever, but where were you walking alongside people and helping them to understand? This last generation of kids and we're too afraid to talk about sex in church so they know nothing about what's going on and they get lost in this culture and then by the time we get them back, they're so broken that the amount of healing takes years before they can be successful in ministry. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for people? We're going to confess first. Before we ask everybody else to confess, we're going to confess first our undiscerning, unloving, unmerciful attitudes and thoughts that we've had. And we're going to repent. We're going to turn from that as the church. If this isn't you, fine. Don't worry about it. It's me. We're going to repent. We're going to stop making things us versus them. We're going to repent of treating people who are made in God's image and likeness as if they were the people that made us feel better about ourselves because our sins aren't so bad. And that's not the gospel. We're going to mourn that there are so many people out there that think that people sitting in this room hate them. We're going to mourn that. That's not Jesus. That's not what he showed. It never was. What have we become? What are we going to become? It's not about yesterday. It's about tomorrow. Jesus loves these people as much as he loves you. Jesus paid for their sins in the same way he paid for yours on that lonely cross that he did not deserve. And we need to get that message of hope to them. Love each other. I love you. I will pour myself out for you and for the lost people of this world. I don't expect lost people to act like anything but lost people, but I expect something of those who have been saved. Let's get a heart Let's remember what's really happening out there. There are billions of people who are going to hell right now. Be careful how much time we spend playing video games, watching football, whatever it is that we do. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm not here to make you, oh, I can't play video games anymore because people are going to hell. Just relax. I, am, I can't imagine how guilty you're going to feel next time you pull up, I don't know, Mario Brothers. Or I'm old. <laughs> Listen. 
Ask God what it looks like to love and do it. I hope that these episodes have been a blessing to you and really eye-opening too. At the end of the day, no matter who we are or what we do, we all need Jesus. And if we can help you find the forgiveness, peace, and hope that comes with knowing Him, call us at 360-885-9000. Or come see us at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Easy directions are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time for more Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.